This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, a very, very good afternoon to you. Yeah, let's eat. I think it's a, it's a great idea to do in the afternoon. And uh, we've brought a new guest to the, the luncheon table here. And we will welcome uh, Kent to the uh, to the uh, the old thing. How are you, buddy? Geez, I'm well. Geez, you, you good? You well? I'm good. Yeah? I'm you, good. What, um, what'd you do with your extra hour? Uh, extra hour, I uh, rolled over the shoulder <laughs> and went... <laughs> One of the few things that's good about, um, you know, the encroachment of, uh, of the cooler months... Uh, one, of course, is uh, the the reality that mushrooms will be will be available soon. Yeah, chestnuts <laughs> are, are coming. You, you feel the change? I do. I do. You can see it actually because um, coming from the south to the north to drive in for the show, uh, and especially heading up maybe what is possibly one of my favourite streets of Melbourne, which is Rathdown Street, Carlton. Yeah, you know, this glorious oak line boulevard of a street wow but it's changing hurts the wallet sometimes some of those (laughs) i just drive through i don't stop yes i I don't stop no no there is a place every now and then um um when when matt's around that i might treat him to a croissant from Uh one of the little cafes down there yeah but uh most of the time i just drive through but it's um it's changing isn't it folks and changes on the way change can be a good thing especially in the cycles of, uh, of climate and things like that. And we've got a good show for you. And uh, first of all, apologies from Matt. He's away. Going to be away for a while. He's uh, somewhere nice, I gather. He's part of the jet set. Mm. He's, um, actually, he's probably in a much warmer climate at the moment because he's in Vietnam. Vietnam, doing a tour of duty. Yeah, Vietnam. But um, thank you, Kent, for coming on. Oh, thank you. And um, delighted to have all you people uh, listening in on the show, wherever you may be, whatever part of the world you're in, and also, I suppose, most importantly, is whatever time frame you decide to listen to this show. I mean, it could be... You're referring to on-demand and podcast options? I am. I'm, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, this uh, the time-shifting nature of uh, the 2017. Time and space. Time and space continuum. Woo. Mm listen to it again and again. Um, uh, some important things are happening at the moment. Uh, the first of all is Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. 25 years old. Wow. Apparently uh, the very, very first one. Or actually, I was reminded of the very, very first one that, um, that happened, which I think we covered a long, long time ago in a studio far, far away. Well, not that far away. Just a couple of postcodes down the road. 12 events. That was it. 12. 12. All in one spot or, you know. Nah, no, no, around the place. Mm. But um, gosh, it's grown. It's, uh, it's just amazing. And we've got the CEO of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, Natalie O'Brien. You're going to uh, dial her when we sort of look at each other and go, yeah, I think it's time to give Natalie a ring. <laughs> this is going to be the seamless production. You oh. might hear a little bit of it behind, but that's okay. A little bit of a uh, the clicking of the fingers on the keyboard of the phone. Of the phone. So um, Natalie's down there by the Yarra because um, what have we got? River Graze is happening and she'll tell us about some of the things that you... Um, dear listener, uh, part of the general public can can be involved in, and we'd love for you to do that. And John from the market, huh. uh, he's been through the wars a little bit, had um, had surgery, 
uh, and uh, the stall is in flux, I suppose would be a be- best way to put it, at the Q- Queen Victoria Market. That's going to alarm some listeners. Just hearing it even in flux sounds a little uncertain about the future. Well, the future can be uncertain, mm. and um, but the good news is that I think John's going to his mum's place for, for lunch. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so far as an Italian thinks, it's like, well, it could be worse. So we'll be... Uh, We'll be uh, talking to him lunchside, if that's a word. <laughs> Here I am, lunchside. So we might get an idea of, first of all, what he's doing, uh, what he's eating, and maybe a little bit of a prognostication about Debbie and the effects of Debbie. And we're talking about the cyclone that came through, the water that is um, the floods. Let's not call it. Well, let's call it what it is. It's just cataclysmic floods. It just going through northern Queensland, that's going to affect Mm. vegetable prices and fruit prices Mm. in the coming months. Mm. So John might have a bit of a handle on that, and I think it might be a good idea to have a a chat to him about that. And then we indulge ourselves. Because uh, Thinking Drinking will be the last segment of the show, and the great news is that uh, Sebastian and Dervler are in the uh, the dynamic duo behind Artemis Gin, and uh, they've been busy with what you said was one of your favourite flavours, Ken. Cherry. Cherry. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're not taking cherry Coke here, folks. Cherry Cola. No, we're not talking. And we're not talking about that sort of, um, how do we describe it? You can have sort of cherry that tastes like mm. cough medicine. Um, ch- Kirsch, which is sort of more the seeds, seed sort of taste of cherry. Mm, not my favourite sort of thing. But um, Sebastian and Doofler have made a, a cherry gin. Yum. Which I think should be served at uh, Cherry Bar. It, it would make perfect it sense, would make wouldn't perfect it? Sense. <laughs> I, see, I see synergies there. But um, anyway, that's uh, the show for today. I should also um, mention the fact that... Um, there is a huge, momentous, um, unprecedented event for Melbourne anyway happening next Wednesday, or this coming Wednesday, I should say. That's right, isn't it? Uh, and that is the San Pellegrino Top 50 Restaurant Awards, which have only been in London, have only been in uh, London and uh, New York. And this is the very, very first time that, um, first of all, they come to the Southern Hemisphere and we get the honour of hosting them. Now, what's going to happen is the great and the good of the food world will descend on the exhibition buildings on Wednesday. Uh, Mere mortals won't be uh, get tickets for that. However, <laughs> the good news is there's going to be a live site happening at Fed Square. And I'm sort of thinking, think of it, folks, like... Eurovision with food. How's that working? I don't know about that. Well, it's sort of like it's all it's like a contest coming together. Yeah, actually, but you know, without um, guys with, with long hair and and beards and stuff like that, and. Your speech. I'm, I'm, speech looking at going, I'm lost. I don't know I'm lost. Say. I'm just thinking colour and movement. All right. Well, well what's going to happen is Fed Square. This, um, I think it's going to be transformed. It's going to be covered in astroturf. There's going to be food trucks everywhere. There's going to be a screen. There's going to be guests. Um, I think it could be a good bit of good fun. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be waving the chook. <laughs> you know. Yeah, which is another way of saying, paraphrasing, Cam Smith will be emceeing the event 
uh, for that, and um, it, I think it's going to kick off around about six thirty, seven o'clock. So um, you're all welcome. Come on down. Could be good. Uh, we were going to mention the fact that after many, many, many years, uh, in fact, um, how many years was it? Myers Place, um, oh. 23 years ago, 23 years ago, uh, a bar gave birth to a revolution. Seems like yesterday, but geez, the influence of that place on what we look around, CBD in particular now, enormous. It was a watershed time, mm. Kent, because the liquor licensing laws were so paternalistic. Like, not many people remember this, and I was... God, you made me feel old, Kent, because I was saying, do you remember the supper ticket? And you sort of looked at me and went, no, old man, what you speak of when you say supper ticket? But there was a time when pubs just opened till 10 o'clock and then everything closed, and um, there were places that had bands, and, but what the, the government of the time would say is that we don't trust these people to drink until late, so we should give them some food, some sustenance, which sometimes came in the form of really, really bad curried sausages. And you got a supper ticket, and you went up to the bistro, and you gave your, your supper ticket, and everybody ate something and put something in there. Strangely, not too far removed from some of the recent discussion in Sydney about opening hours and late-night drinking and yes. that carry-on. Yeah, yeah, but um, I think it's, it's certainly done this state really, really well. And, you know, just the fact of people are allowed to have a drink when they want or eat when they want. You said, like, you know, it's the notion of tapas. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, a tapas bar, uh, say, in the in the 70s or the 80s would have been impossible because of the licensing. Mm. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't have gone. So, anyway, the uh, Myers Place uh, is, is going to close. Um, and if you've never been to Myers Place, maybe you'd like to just quickly describe where it is. So um, one of its features when it opened was it was down a laneway. And, of course, everything in laneway in Melbourne now is um, orientated around food and drink in many ways mm. or, or, you know, niche shopping. Um, yes, yes. And this was before laneways this before all of that, were yeah. laneways. Yeah. So this is right up near uh, Top of Collins towards uh, Spring Street. Yes. Um, and Myers Place, Myers Place. Yeah. Um, and it's a, what, probably comfortably seats 25 but it's not probably, many yeah um but it was it was revolutionary because this was this thing where it said uh Neuenhausen, or Hosen, or i don't know how you're supposed to say it, the Neuen thingy um the report that that changed all these these modes from a paternalistic english mode to a rather more uh relaxed european mode said that yeah look you can just have a bar where mm. people can just drink Wow, that was, and that was revolutionary. Revolutionary. It really, really was. So um, maybe what we do is we doff our lid, salute towards uh, the uh, the people that opened Myers Place and were the trailblazers 23 years ago. Is it is the venue going to be kept as a as a bar? Um, the, like the address? I don't know. Uh I, I really don't know what's going to happen to I'm, it. I'm getting a green room thumbs up that it is. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, green room. That's green room Sebastian. Who, uh, and maybe we'll, uh, we'll go to Scoop Sebastian uh, when we do thinking, drinking a little bit more, and he might have a, a better idea of uh, what's going to happen to it once it ceases to be what it is now, Myers Place. But uh, 
I think, yeah, we give an edit salute for uh, for those pioneers that, that changed the way uh, Melbourne is and maybe brought us to this new marvellous Melbourne that we have now. The other feature of it was it was, um, you know, design. The interior design was quite specific to, to accentuate the, the location and the nature of the bar itself. So it wasn't pub and it wasn't restaurant and the design reflected that inside, right? Mm, and, um, and again, uh, let's, uh, let's have an acknowledgement to Six Degrees. Six Degrees. Who, uh, who helped design Victoria Street, that designed, helped design this place and yeah. um, certainly made their mark on Myers, uh, Myers Place in the, the eastern part of the city, isn't it? That's the top east side. Top east. The upper east, if upper. we wanted to get all New York oh, on its sure. ass. Which is sort of like, <laughs> in a way, what it was sort of based on, wasn't it? A bit like a New York bar. Yeah. But incredible. Just had a roller door that came down. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're labouring on it. It's 12.15. We need to get a move on because it's Eat It here on 3 Triple RFM. You are here in, uh, in the afternoon. Uh, Kent is just using his dialing digits. He's going to get Natalie O'Brien on the phone who uh, hopefully is down by the river, down by the Yarra River, talking about uh, Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. It's 25 years. I can't believe that, um, that all these years have passed so quickly. My God. And, uh, and how much this thing has grown. So, again, you are listening to Eat It on 3 RFM. It is a delight to have you aboard. I'm going to scream to, uh, to Kent and say... What do you reckon? You got it? I think you had. I could hear your sonorous tones doing that. Uh, 1216, 3 RFM. We have the CEO, uh, the Grand Fromage, we could call her, of the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. Natalie O'Brien, what a delight it is to have you on the line. Thank you so much. We, uh, we're down here on River Graves on uh, the third day of Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. How you, how you holding up? Natalie, how are you holding up uh, on your third day? And, and sorry, Cam, we've just dropped out there, so um, <laughs> down on the river, Radio 1 to Radio 2. Radio 2 here. we got home base here, Natalie. Do you copy? We, we, I read you now, if that's the right word. Oh, that'll, uh, yeah, that'll do. We can, we can get all technic- technical. Yeah, go, go ahead, uh, go ahead, food one. <laughs> breaker, breaker. Breaker, breaker. So you're saying you're down here. Um, oh, no, that was my question was, it's three days. You're in the campaign mode. How are you holding up? Fantastically. Look, we um, have got so many extra visitors this year, of course, with the world's 50 best chefs announcement here in Melbourne on Wednesday. Yes. So today at Masterclass and at River Grays, we've got many internationals here visiting us. I've just come out of a session with Jorge Virgilius from Mexico. Wow, okay, yeah. um, It's the people that I think keep you buoyant and keep you going and lots of great people to exchange and meet with. It's really is the who's who of um, of the world gastronomy, isn't it? It absolutely is. And uh, in session now down at Fed Square, we have Ashley Palmer-Watts, who's out from the UK, followed by Grant Atchis from the States. And then this afternoon, um, and there's absolutely still time to book, we have 
Gaston Ocurio from Lima, Peru, who is uh, is called the grandfather of Peruvian cooking, and he's doing a watch and learn session down here at Fed Square this afternoon, which um, I'm really looking forward to. Do you have any idea what he's going to be actually doing? Well, he's 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 doing quite a bit about native ingredients, and I haven't seen his dishes, but mm. um, there are still tickets if people would love to come down, and um, he'll certainly do a meet and greet at the end of the session as well. All right, so now you've sort of set this up, Natalie. Where do people go first of all, and how would they um, would they book if they're interested? So if people are, um, are wanting to come along this afternoon, Deacon Edge, um, we have a, a ticketing area outside the front and they're $35 tickets left to watch and learn from um, some of the world's 50 best chefs and um, certainly Gaston, um, there's time to come down. His session starts at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Okay, and um, I've got to say that space works really, really well for that sort of stuff that's... Um Deacon Edge um, on Fed Square. The uh, that's the big. What do we call it? It's like a theatre space. Yeah, that'll yeah, do. It's a, it's fabulous, Cam. Because I'm standing here now, and you look out with all the beautiful glass onto the river. Yep. Uh, with a massive big screen, so that you can see all of the ingredients, and obviously, well, with all of these chefs, there's numerous flavours that go into making these dishes. So, um, with the backdrop of the river, a huge screen, and, and of course up close and personal with some of the world's 50 best chefs. Okay, that sounds kind of good. Um, now, there's an odd thing happening in the Yarra at the moment. This is uh, River Grays, but one of the elements about River Grays is is this rather ex- extraordinary thing that is sort of landed in the river, and it's this giant bowl of fruit. What What's going on with that? Well, we're we're celebrating with Melbourne Water and celebrating the fact that Victoria produces much more produce than any other state in Australia. So you're right, there's this 10 metre by 10 metre inflatable bowl of fruit Mm. down on the river um, to give a landmark of all of the fabulous produce, food and entertainment that starts from Fed Square where we're here at Masterclass and weaves its way all the way along the river. Crown have got uh, pizza makers all the way out from Italy with their pizza ovens also out from Italy. And you can head right down to MCEC who are doing fabulous food and wine activities on the lawns outside the front. So There's a, um, there's a bit of booze down there. I think if you, you won't go thirsty um, down there at, at the Melbourne Exhibition no. Centre. That's right. From all the way up, you won't go hungry and you won't be thirsty. And we have a beautiful on the on the north bank of the river, Sweet Alley, with gorgeous chocolate donuts and sweet things. Wow. Coffee for the afternoon when you've um, grazed your way all the way along the river. Oh, I want one of those now. I want a chocolate donut. That sounds great. Oh, maybe I could send a taxi through. Oh, maybe um, we need to get a drone delivery of that. We can we can maybe do that. But again, so this so this giant bowl of fruit is it's all about the water that goes into making Victoria the great food bowl of Australia. Because it's kind of weird. We're only five percent of the area of the whole country, and yet we produce so much food. Absolutely, and so it was a real, um, I guess, salute to the Yarra River, which obviously goes all the way um, up to um, 
you know, the high country. Mm. And it's... 242 kilometres. It's, it's extraordinary. It's about sort of, um, I guess, being... Um, celebrating the water if you like and if we look at viticulture and and brewing and producing food it all needs beautiful clean water and um victoria as you say is a big producer and so this floating fruit bowl um is uh, it lights up slightly at night time and um already next year i'm planning i think we need about another five bowls of fruit yes um so that we can fit all of the fruit that we in fact grow here in victoria yeah, maybe we could have some giant robotic Carmen Miranda that could come on like a Godzilla and put it on her head. Well, we could do that. I was thinking grapes. I was thinking we do need to represent all of the incredible wine, a large bowl of floating grapes, and maybe we could bring it up from the Arrow Valley. So we're already starting to oh, that could be good. think of ideas when we're down there. So okay. um, we'll keep all of that in mind for next year's planning. All right, well, look, um, Natalie, congratulations on 25 years. Uh, one thing we did want to mention um, before we let you go was the fact that there is uh, there's an open house in Little Lonsdale Street and uh, it's a really, really great space and all of Melbourne's invited. Absolutely. So we're, we've taken over 361 Little Lonsdale Street for 10 days and we've got a beautiful, cosy bar at the front mm. that has... Three of Australia's top sommeliers have picked their favourite drops of Victorian wine. Morgan McGlone is doing beautiful little tasting dishes to come. It's got a beautiful, um, stunning couch for people to come and share and have a chat. So please come 12 noon till very late every day until next Sunday. Yep. So absolutely come and say hi and join us for a drink. All right. And, of course, you can look that up on Melbourne Food and Wine Festival for all those sort of details. But in the meantime, you do worse than to, uh, oh, you know, put on a hoodie or, you know, just get get something a little bit warmer on. Come on down to the river because there's heaps happening this afternoon, isn't there? Absolutely. I would bring a gorgeous big, it's a very autumnal day, a gorgeous big scarf and coat and come down and, and join us for something to eat and drink and some entertainment that's also going along the river as well. All right, well, congratulations, Natalie. Um, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're in the campaign mode. Uh, there's Melbourne, well, we still celebrate for a, another week. And, um, yeah, we'll see how it all turns out. But uh, it's certainly looking good at the moment, and especially down at the Yarra. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Pleasure, Natalie. See you later. See you. Bye. There she goes. Breaker, breaker. Roger that. Over and out. Yeah. Bit of sound garden, Cam. Oh, bit of sound garden. How about that? Why not? Uh, this is inspired by the fact that I was uh, <laughs> I was in Burke Street Mall and there were these these kids who, I don't know, they've been about 16, four uh-huh. of them just, just belting this out. Going to it. Yeah. And I thought, hey, it sounds kind of good. Wouldn't mind hearing that again. We'll be back with John and we're finding out what's in front of his plate or what's on his plate at the moment. I can hear someone breathing heavily on the phone. It must be John. A very, very good afternoon to you. And a very good afternoon to you, Cameron. I am breathing heavy because... You're all excited. um, Some beautiful antipasta and and a pasta. Oh, you've already had the pasta? Sorry? You've already had the pasta? I've already had the pasta. Forno? Or was it it, um, cooked in a pan? Spaghetti with... um, a sauce made with uh, ox tails and um, handmade meatballs. How big were the noodles? Pepperadelli? 
No, just uh, spaghetti. Just spaghetti. Okay. Yep. Are you allowed to put parmesan on that? You are, aren't you? Say it again. I missed. Are you Are you allowed to put parmesan on that? Because there's rules about parmesan and sp- spaghetti. We, we use pecorino, and um, yeah, we, we do put pecorino on it. It's ah, uh, oh, pecorino. We made from sheep's milk, but I don't think it sees any sheep. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we and do, we do put cheese on it. Oh, look! It, it sounds good, and uh, and just to make us even more jealous for those that uh, you know. Might be just driving around and, and don't have the benefit of a, a large Italian family to, to sit around. What's the main course? Well, actually, it's hard to say because the first plate we had um, our antipasto, which got uh, two cheeses on it. It's got the capicola, which we made, which is the neck of the pork that's dried. Mm. Uh, our own homemade bacon, our own homemade sausages. Um uh, yeah, that was it. And then we have a big plate of pasta. Mm. Um, very big compared to some people's plates of pasta. <laughs> yes. And then we'll have um, the oxtail and the meatballs in the sauce. Yeah. Salad. And then there's roast chicken and <laughs> potatoes done in the oven. So take your pick of which is mine. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> you guys know how to eat. You know how to eat. Um, and... and there's been um, a couple times where I've been so tricked by that because I've had the uh, a little whiskey to start off with, uh, a little bit of vino, some antipasto, and then we've eaten the pasta. And you say, I'm full, I'm full. Yeah. And then, and, then you, and then you guys turn around and go, <laughs> now we eat. And I go, oh, my God, I'm, I'm brought undone. Yeah, when it slows down about 2.30, we'll have uh, a black coffee with um, an apple and rhubarb sponge that my mum's made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then the, and then the biscotti come out and the digestivo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, get out of here. It's too good. Um, you're making me jealous. Now, um, how you doing, first of all? Because uh, let, me, no, let, let, me, let me introduce this properly because um, a lot of people know you, John, as someone who we have spoken to the seasons in, seasons out, year in, year out, you have been there to to talk to us about what is coming in, what to use, what Frank has been cooking, and um, and and you've been missed. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that have gone past the stall at the market, and instead of seeing you there, but they've seen the Hessian covering the stall, and and they've been kind of curious. So, what's going on? Well, I had a shoulder reconstruction done um, three and a half weeks ago, mm-hmm. and um, I was recovering really well, but I was nearly home last Monday, and we got rear-ended by someone in a um, large ute. No, so really? So the shoulder again, so it put me a week behind. Oh. But I'm recovering quite well. Uh, it'll be a long road, because I'm going to have the other shoulder done, so I may be away till Christmas <gasps> from the store. Yeah, so, so what happens to the store while you're gone? Well, the neighbours are covering it with veggies at the yeah. moment. Yeah, so, covering it with um, veggies, yeah, yeah, but not your veggies. Not my veggies. And, um, Robbie, I, I had to go shopping Friday. We went to the market. Mm-hmm. And Robbie said, yeah, your customers all complaining. <laughs> Some complainer didn't know you were going. I said, well, I'm pretty sure I told nearly everyone. But anyway. Yeah. So we had a bit of a walk around the market, like I say to my customers, um, and uh, we picked the eyes out of the market and bought a bit of this and a bit of that. And uh, it was good to see the vibrant colours again because 
but but what an extraordinary... Can I just stop you there, John? Because this wouldn't have been an extraordinary day for you. And the fact that you, you, you were literally on the other side of the counter, though, what was that like? Uh, quite good, actually, because um, <laughs> I bought things all over the market, the top end and the bottom end of the market. So you didn't have to buy a fruit from Robbie, for instance? Yeah, we bought fruit from Robbie. Oh, you still did. From, uh, yeah, okay. Across the road, and I bought some pears up the top end because my mum loves Josephine pears, which I don't like very much, but uh, down the bottom end, we don't sell them, so we went and found some up the top. Yes. And... Um, you know, we, we saw a lot of um, different things, different prices, different quality, which is what the market's about. Mm. Uh, yes. Did you get any of those chestnuts that have come through? No, I didn't buy any because... Um, they're huge, they though. A, a, a rushed week. Uh, and they're very, very... Uh, traditionally, chestnuts started Anzac Day, which is the 25th of uh, April. Now, they've planted the newer varieties... Oh. Um, what we call a morod, big brown ones, and they are huge. Say that again. Uh, what's the what's the name of it? Maron. Brown ones, the brown ones. Yes. Um, and um, they were cut in half because I said to the Chinese guy, which I know quite well, I said, "Are they new?" He said, "Yeah. Look, I've got some cut in half. They are fallen off the tree. So they uh, would have fallen down to the ground. They were picked up, cleaned." brought straight to market mm. and seven dollars a kilo now normally the early chestnuts were thirty dollars twenty dollars right seven dollars giveaway price so you can imagine there's going to be a glut of them later big small medium any size you like mm. so you can go and buy some and you can roast them or you can even make them into a chestnut flour to make a special cake or other sweets whatever you want to do my favorite is we boil them and Break them open and eat the uh, beautiful white, soft inner of the chestnut. I just love splitting them and sort of showing them to the fire and then uh, having that that beautiful taste. Good way to walk around and keep your hands warm too in the middle of winter too. Don't forget to split them if you put them in the oven or (laughs) under the grill or in the fire. If not, they go ba-boom and all over the house. And you, you know what's really, really funny about that is that it's sort of like, it's like you played a trick on someone because there's sort of like almost this, this sort of white confetti sort of floats down after they've exploded. It's uh, it's quite <laughs> it's something. Someone, it's not something you do in someone's kitchen. No. When we went on a picnic one year, we were out, out in the hills and um, we found the chestnut tree. Mm. And um, oh, I said, oh, i got to do this. I just had to. So I threw one into the embers and stood back. And um, one of my aunts was warming her... Uh, <laughs> up against the fire and it went boom and she jumped and then she wanted to kill me I had to run for the next half hour or so <laughs> with, with your auntie after you with a, with a stick hey um, okay so chess don't worry about a stick oh machete look out she's, uh, she's <laughs> lethal Aunt, lethal auntie um, now the good news is we've got um, things are coming in it is autumn we're going to see the mushrooms uh, are going to start soon uh, these new marrons are something to look for. I'm using the French sort of way to describe them. But with uh, the cataclysm that has been Debbie, Cyclone Debbie, um, we're going to see some flow-on effect. Oh, gee, that's a bad pun. We're going to see some effects happen uh, because of that. What What's in store for veggie? Well, uh, I'm hoping that it's not really grim. We've got distant relatives in Bundaberg, 
the Berlanti family up there, they grow bullhorn peppers and romas and mm. other things when I send them down to Melbourne uh, and even into Asia as well because their product is just so good. Yes. Um, my mum was speaking to the lady um, Friday and she said that she wasn't on a farm because she also had a shoulder reconstruction done, but her family was back there battling the water because the whole farm is flooded. Now, for them, that means that they can't get into the fields. Anything that was there would die because it'll drown. Yes. And then they'll have to wait for the soil to dry out. Yes. And um, then plants and then wait, you know, uh, 16 or whatever weeks or so for a crop to come on. Um, so everything will be later. Yes. And in, the, in term, all the crops that were there have been blown away. And you just probably saw all the trees waving around in the big winds. So you can imagine a small bean plant or peas or tomatoes, eggplants even. You know, they'll be maybe two or three kilometres down the road um, while they've been ripped off the plants. So there could be quite a bit of shortage. Mm. Um, I don't think that... Um, Inland was spared much either, because even if they may not have got all that water that dumped from the sea, they would have got the heavy winds, which would affect things as well. So, you know, now on, uh, our Victorian crops will diminish day by day, like all the capsicums and that that are growing outside will stop because it's cold. Same with tomatoes. It's already been a tragic year for tomato season, mm. so it can only get worse. Um, Bowen is a very, very big supplier of tomatoes, probably... I was reading about 80% of the Australian market is growing up there. In so Darwin, you said? There's not much around. Th- that was Darwin, you said, John? Bowen. Bowen, yeah, that's one. I, I thought I'd better check yeah. on that. Okay, so yeah, yeah. so we've just... Um, Darwin got a hammering too, I believe. God. So yeah, 80% of our winter crop possibly has been taken out? Is that what you're saying? Maybe, yes. yes wow. Maybe. Okay, so um, brace yourself for um, for a, a dearth and a very well. If there is anything around, it's going to be really, really expensive. So we're talking about things like capsicums. We're talking things like tomatoes. We're going to obviously talk about things like eggplants, I guess, as well. Yes, green beans. Remember, green beans. Yes, we were selling green beans at ten dollars, and normally they're. Um, Three to five dollars a kilo. Yes. So you can imagine what it's going to be like when you're coming out of Queensland and there's not much there. It'll be like the bananas. The bananas went to fifteen dollars last time. Yes. And maybe it'll happen again too. But I'm just wondering whether that's going to happen because the storms were sort of south of what I sort of see as a couple of the main banana growing areas, uh, Tully and Innisfail. Yeah, but. Yeah, but they got a lot mm, of strong winds too. Yeah. And don't forget the banana plants, um, a herb, it's very frail. It's a grass. Uh, so we hope that they haven't been affected. But mm. don't forget, this looks like a lucky country because we may get lucky that we'll get a lot of produce coming out of um, just like Geelong where they've got plastic glass houses, South Australia where they've got glass and plastic glass houses. Um, a lot of people have been dabbling in hydroponics lately. Mm. So, you know, we may be saved by people like that, but who knows? We have to pray that everything moves along a bit. All right, well, we might... We'll, conditions get better. We will say a little prayer, John, but uh, in the meantime, we will just say a little prayer that uh, the chicken that comes out of the oven and goes onto your plate is uh, the delicious one that you wanted. Oh, Lovely to chat to you, John, and... Um, 
just uh, all of us here would like to wish you all the best in your rehabilitation and you get better soon, buddy. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for your good wishes and um, we're, we're all strive to get better yes. as soon as possible because even us hard work, I love the market, I love the people more than anything else. Yeah. It's such a good environment like you. You know, you meet a lot of lovely people. Oh, you're too kind. Well, look, right back at you, John. Have a great lunch. Lovely to chat to you. And um, we're certainly not going to forget you here. And we'll uh, we'll probably just ring you up and just ask you what's on your plate, what you're eating and what you're enjoying. And uh, just get that sense of the John Dolce Vita, huh? Yes. Well, I've been spoiled so far, so life's good. Good on you, mate. All right. Well, uh, get back to the lunch. Say hi to the family, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. All the best, everybody. There is, folks, John from the Queen Vic Market, um, and that wasn't a child running crazily through John's place. It was actually someone running through the studio. I don't know what that was. Anyway, just extraneous noise here on 3 Triple R FM. Now, before we go into thinking drinking, and before I'm allowed, finally... To taste uh, the cherry gin, the uh, the the product from Dervler and Sebastian, and uh, their fabulous Artemis stuff. Well, we've got a giveaway. Do we not, Kent? We certainly do. I got one six pack of refillable wine. Can we just not do this and maybe we'll just split it? No, we're not allowed to do that, are we? Insider um, trading. Insider trading. Giveaway. One six-pack of refillable wine uh, from Rewine Brunswick East. See what they did with that word? Rewine? Rewine. That's very good. Yep. Rewine, the sustainable wine merchant, uh, has opened a new bar and store in Brunswick East. This is good news. With wine served direct from the barrel. Notch. Customers are rewarded for reusing their bottles and reducing their carbon footprint. Hmm. Rewind is offering a lucky three triple R subscriber a six pack, <laughs> a six pack of refillable wine in a Hessian bag. That's evocative, isn't it? <laughs> to be collected from Rewind, the sustainable wine merchant at five two two Ligon Street, Brunswick East. Uh, Rewind, the sustainable wine merchant, Brunswick East. Info at www.rewind.com. Dot au. Uh, give us a call. You've got to be a subscriber. Six-pack in a Hessian bag. Ah! Life just gets better and better. Um, you've got some music for us, Kent? Certainly do. Kent's going to find out who's the winner, and we're going to be back with the dynamic duo of distilling in Collingwood after this. Yes, well, funny that you should mention that. It was the rewind thing. We just did that. Who won? The lucky listener mm. was um, Linda Wolf. Linda Wolf. Linda Wolf will be picking up a six-pack from uh, Rewind. The Linda Lupo. Yeah. Lupo. I think that's um, Italian for wolf. Anyway. Sorry, Linda. It's Lydia. Oh, Lydia. Congratulations, <laughs> oh. Lydia. Um, we were going to do the thinking drinking theme, but I thought, no, no, to, to hell with that. Um, I thought it would be just a good idea just to, to bring you guys in. We welcome to the microphones. Um, as we said, the dynamic duo of distilling seemed to have a good ring to it. Uh, Dervler and Sebastian, very, very good afternoon to you both. Hi, Cam. Hi, Cam. How are you? And you've left your one child uh, away from the studio, but you brought in another child. It's kind of <laughs> nice. You've, you've transferred children, ownership of children. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's gin, but not as we know it, to use the Star Trek analogy. Right. Tell us about this thing that's in front of us. Gin, you need to get a little bit closer to that microphone. This gin uh, we did um, 
We actually announced what we were going to make before we knew what we were doing. Yes. We were going to do it. The the concept came. I got an idea. So we used seasonal cherries, which meant that we were restricted in our research for our cherries. Mm -hmm. So for our cherry gins. So we had to basically wait until cherries hit the supermarkets before we could start our R&D. So, but... So, but why cherries? What, what was the thing that you went, you, you sort of settled well, on the they're, idea they're, of... They're lovely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I like them too. Luxurious. But yes. And they're, they're genuinely seasonal. That They are only available for that brief moment. Yes. And so if you're going to do, you know, something that's a special edition, a limited edition, it's got to have a, a reason to be limited, you know. We can't make more of this mm. until January 2018. Mm-hmm. Yes, you Okay. Know. So, so it, you and thought, we love cherries. I love cherries too. <laughs> I really, really, I do love cherries. And but this is a different flavour spectrum to maybe the cherries that we're used to. Because Kent was sort of talking about the fact, yeah, I love cherries, and we can see cherries that are available on the market. Everything from say cherry coke, which has this very. Uh, it's not real, is it? It's not no, real. No. Um, and and then there's um, and then there's cough syrup with cherries in it, which is probably one of the most vilest flavors in the world. And and then we think if we move across to uh, when we assume it with booze, we think of or I did anyway, maraschino and mm. um, and kirsch, which is that's different, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and something I don't like. No, so I didn't want to make a I don't like with that. that flavor. So how is that different to what we've got? It's we focused on the the flesh of the cherries. We took out all, as the opposed to maraschino, which is about the seed, the seed and yeah. the and the nut that's sort of in there, or the kernel. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So we wanted to get those darker flavours from the from the flesh of the cherry mm. and the colour. Mm. So that's where, and you know, the fantastic thing about having your own gin brand is you can just do what you like. And yes. So that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> like we've got a, we've got the, we've got a still. Yeah. We we, like we whack it through. Yeah. And we, and, you know, so we. We got a bunch of friends, uh, yourself included, Cam, to uh, come and help. And I've just had my my cherry pitter, there you go, that's what it sounds like, uh, returned because I I sort of put in about, I don't know, two or three hours or something in the... There was a few more than that, Cam. Was it? Yeah, Yeah, just the time flew. It It did. It was great. It did. uh, It was great. I got fed, which was kind of nice. You you helped pit 11,800 cherries to make this gin. Because yeah. it was, it was, it was just, it was a stack. If the boxes were sort of, it was, it was taller kilos. than than people. Yeah, we did what we did one eighty, uh, one hundred and forty uh, kilos, one forty kilos over two days. Yes, yeah. mm. and that that wouldn't have happened without a whole bunch of mm. friends coming along to help. Because yeah. we, we worked out, and that gave us three hundred and eighteen bottles from eleven thousand eight hundred cherries. So the yield's not <laughs> the yield's not that great. We, the accountants aren't happy. Well, we did the maths. <laughs> if we, you know, if, if we had to include the cost of the labour, mm. every bottle would be more than three hundred bucks. So, <laughs> oh, really? wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you sort of said, but we to me, may never do this again. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, what you were saying was that the the cherries themselves, because we were talking about cherry flesh, oh. they hung on to the alcohol like a sponge, mm. um, a, a recalcitrant sponge mm-hmm. hanging on to it saying, no, it shall not come out. So this was the problem. You didn't want to... You, you, the, the things you could squash it and, and press it out, but that would have clouded the issue so quite literally. With the research that we did, um, we, made our, we initially made our 
uh, macerated our cherries in the alcohol and that ended up uh, giving us a little bit of flavour but we were having a lot of top and bottom end on the palate so we weren't getting... What does that mean? So we are getting a lot of flavour in the front of the palate yes. and a lot of flavour at the back, back, the back of, the of the palate but there was not much in the Nothing middle. Nothing in the middle. So we sort of had to think about why that was the case and Sebastian worked out that it was a fact that we needed to do a water extraction and so... What does that mean? So syrup well, and water. Yeah, some flavours dissolve in alcohol, some flavours dissolve better in water. Mm. Yes, yeah. gotcha. So, yeah. And this is an old Italian technique used for making limoncello to, you know, you put the skins in the alcohol of the lemon, then you put the skins in the water and you, you bring them together. So we, we sort of followed that tradition. But it's the, that marriage. With the cherries. Mm. Okay. Okay. And where did you find out about this? Who? Dom. Dom Marzano down at Craft uh, & Co., the chef down there. So he's yes. uh, made limoncello for many years and shared some of those secrets. Mm. Wow. What a, what a legend. And he's... Um, you you were able to give him um, some of those uh, the fruit that was sort of left over and <laughs> yes. and went okay your um, the the task we give you is to do something with them and, and what has he done? Well, we've got seventy uh, odd Christmas puddings, so I know uh, a certain spectacular gin out of Hillsville has put Christmas puddings in the gin. So we've put our gin in some Christmas puddings. So they'll, they'll, they've been steamed and sealed and yes. put away. So we're going to pull them out in December and at their cherry Christmas puddings made with gin. So, wow. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about And there were some other things that you did with you know, the... We made, the ch- some, uh, we made some gin jam. Gin jam. With yeah. the cherries, so cherry nice. jam. So, and um, with some vermouth, so it's like a cocktail. And we also made some uh, gin ketchup. So you take the tomato out, and or not gin ketchup, but cherry ketchup. Mm. Hmm. And then we also did boozy cherries as well. So we, we actually had to reduce the alcohol in them because the first time we tasted them, they nearly blew our heads off because they were so full on. Really? Yeah. yeah, so then we had to sort of water them down pretty much. Maybe, you could, maybe you could cover some in chocolate too because mm. I used to love a, a chocolate liqueur cherry. Mm. But we were at St. Dove was saying that we did this R&D with some... Cherries, you know, early season cherries, you know, from the supermarket that were, you know, they weren't great. Mm. Yes. But we, we did the R&D and we got the flavours and we had a, a framework of, right, here's what we're going to do. This mm. is what we're looking for. But then mm. when the cherries arrived... Yeah, they were huge. You saw them. They were massive. They had loads of juice and the colour was you said, And you said they were seconds too. They were second the, tier the, of seconds. Yeah, my God, yeah, this, this is the sort of stuff, if you were at the market, it would be, they're the ones that would be in the, you know, the little small mm. boxes with all facing and they, mm. were, they were pretty spectacular. Yeah. Now, this stuff does exist now. We haven't had a taste of it yet. I'm dying to actually have a try of it. But, but the, the most important thing is that there's all these people listening around the place uh, at various time frames, as Kent and I discussed. But where can, can, can we find this? This will be for sale at Craft & Co probably by Wednesday. Yep. So we, we've got a database of the supporters who've supported Artemis over the last six months. and So they got first dibs yep. and they're getting their stock. Yes. And a lot of them picked them up. Some others that are in the post, I'll get them next week. So we sort of waited until they'd had their first crack. Fair enough. Bottle, Fair uh, enough. And then it'll be into selected retail. And what about bars? We're going to see it any bars? And, yeah, And are there going to be pieces? Because um, I see this as, um, um, as a great challenge to bartenders to come up with stuff. And I'm wondering which bars we might be able to see it in. Yeah, there's, there's about uh, 40 bars that have pre-ordered because it is a bit of a... Pre-orders only three hundred bottles. So Gee, it's viscous, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, there's this beautiful viscosity to it. Wow. Um, have you tried it, Kent? 
Kent, you nearly finished yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that why you're so it's quiet over there? It's silence. Uh, so, for the man who loves the taste of cherries, have... Tell us. Yeah, yeah, I'm all over it. Just they, long. They say it's not the tenth that's the problem, it's the first. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm on my first. Mm. <laughs> and the gin's all there. Yeah. You know, this has got all of the same botanicals as, mm. as, as regular Ar- Artemis. Mm. It does. But then with the cherry added on top. Yeah. You, used, you used the oh, word luxurious <laughs> before. <laughs> I was looking because, there. The, sorry, you were saying luxurious? Yeah, well, I heard the word luxurious before mm. and it's definitely that, isn't mm. it? Oh, it is. Yeah. So we wanted the flavour, the mouthfeel, and we wanted the the gin to shine through. We wanted mm. it to be a definitely a gin, but to have the you know the cherry not overwhelmed by the flavours of the gin. And, and try to capture that velvetness. Mm. Mm. It has cherry. got velvetness all over it, and um, and I guess one of the things is that you guys should be proud of is the fact that we have witnessed a, a rise of um, a distilling culture in this country mm-hmm. and we've seen the rise of gin and I think this is a, is a great addition to, uh, to, to all that stuff. 12.59, we need to go. Gosh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a sad thing. We're going to have to leave. Um, Dervla. Sebastian, congratulations on your child. I hope your other child is all right somewhere, wherever you've uh, left it. It's called Artemis. It's Artemis Cherry Gin. It'll be available around some places. You can get it at Craft & Co. Tracy Hutchins on lunch. Um, She's got uh, Niti Palta, uh, Indian comedian at Melbourne International Comedy Festival from New Delhi, live live in the studio. Um, In the studio, we'll we'll be having a chat. So stick around. It's the afternoon on 3 Triple R FM. Why would you go anywhere else? we better go. Kent, thank you so much for standing in. Uh, Guys, thank you for coming in. That's you. And uh, let's bring this to a close so we can start our lunch on Triple R. This has been a podcast from 3 Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.